Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. We truly do appreciate it. This is our second week in the book of Ruth, working through the story of redemption, love, and family. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com, facebook.com forward slash Church, or you can go to your Google Play Store or App Store and download our church app. Search for Casper Alliance Church, look for the double C's, download, and you'll be connected with us all the time. Thanks. Have a great week. Okay, um, for those of you who were here last week, uh, you know that I was tasked with beginning a lesson, a series on uh, the book of Ruth, and I was going to kick it off and then Jason was going to be back, and so I left him an impossible place to start from, and then he got it back at me and he's like, guess what, I'm going to get stuck on an island, Mark, it's on you, no, not really. Um, I, I was not planning on doing this uh, passage when I, when I preached last week. I may or may not have said some things about Naomi that I might have to backpedal on. We'll see how it goes. Um, but, you know, we're in the book of Ruth, but we're talking about Naomi today. So we're doing the semi-chapter of Naomi in the book of Ruth. So... Our text this morning um, is Ruth chapter 1, just 19 to 22. Before I read that, I'm going to do a little recap. Unfortunately, it looks like, man, I taught Zach's Sunday school class this morning, and we did Ruth chapter 1. And I was going to have one of those kids come up here <laughs> because they like did the whole, I was going to have to do the recap. And they all bugged out on me, so I'm going to have to harass them about it later. So, um, so, so where we left last, last week, the first part of this, you know, Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two boys, Kilion and Malon, see, even I know it better after, after teaching the lesson. There was a famine in Bethlehem, so they went to Moab, and while they were there, the boys got married, and after they got married, some time passed, and then... All the males died. Elimelech and Malon, Kilion all died. And so Naomi, at this point now, there was a famine in Moab, and so she's like, man, I heard this not too bad there in Bethlehem, so I'm going to head back. So the girls are like, well, we're going with you. And she's like, you don't need to come with me. You can stay here. You know, I'm not going to have more sons. Stay here. Go back to your family. Go back to your gods. Live your life. I'm ready to go on. Um, it worked 50% of the time. The one daughter-in-law, Orpah, she's like, okay, thanks, Naomi. It's been nice knowing you. And she was on her way. Um, I, asked the, I asked the kids this morning, what happened to Orpah? And they were like, she died. Well, <laughs> you're probably right. But, you know, Orpah is one of those people in the Bible that just kind of comes in for a couple verses and then, you know, we don't know necessarily what happened to Orpah. Um, but Ruth, you know, basically at this point went to her mother-in-law and said, I'm going to follow you. Your God is going to be my God. Your people is going to be my people. For all, in all purposes, she became an Israelite and said, I'm going with you to the land of Israel to live with your people. So 
that's kind of where we dropped off, beginning at verse 19 of Ruth chapter 1. <clears throat> so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly, bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So this trip, um, depending on, I mean, it sounds like from, when, from what I read in the things, it's about a 50-mile trip, they're saying, from Moab back to Bethlehem. So it wasn't an easy trip. Um, they had to kind of go around the Dead Sea and, you know, it's, it's these two women out wandering on their way back to Bethlehem. They may have gotten in with some other people. doesn't really say, but they had this journey. So physically, it was probably fairly strenuous. Um, for Naomi, emotionally and spiritually, it had to be exhausting because she was, she was going back to where she had been and she had been in some other places. We don't know why Elimelech and Naomi left in the first place other than to see what was out there. Um, but whatever happened, I don't think that trip to Moab turned out how they intended it. I think that, that Naomi was like, man, this is, this is not how I saw my life going. And so at this point, you know, she was broken, and she was empty, and she decided to go back to her people and say, you know what? The Lord has blessed his people, and she was tired of living where she was, and so she headed back. So Naomi, with her daughter-in-law in tow, gets back to Bethlehem and makes her big triumphant return. Um, Bethlehem is not a huge city at this point in time, but there were a lot of people who knew, she, knew her when she got back. You know, they were saying, like, is that Naomi? Um, you know, we have... We have left at times and come back to visit churches or visit wherever. And everyone's like, oh, it's Mark, it's Beth. And, you know, sometimes they look at us like, oh, they look like they've been through it. And other times they're like, oh, we're happy to see you. So, right, we've had both. So, you know, I, to me, it, it's hard to, to really understand, you know, what they're saying like, is that Naomi or is that, is that Naomi? You know, we don't know. But, you know, Naomi is like, I've had it. And verse 20, for me, kind of sums up what she's, how she's feeling. She said, she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly, very bitterly with me. So Naomi, I don't think, is quite in a really good headspace at this point. I think Naomi is coming back, um, you know, almost like with her tail between her legs, if you like, you know, if you have a dog and that kind of thing. But I think that's where she is. And so for me, honestly, when I was done speaking last week, I was kind of like, you know, Naomi has a little bit to do in the rest of this story, but kind of her involvement is kind of, I don't know, diminished from here on out. 
And as I read through this, I was like, oh boy, Naomi has a lot to say to me, and it's not necessarily what I want to hear. And it's a little difficult, honestly. So there's um, like three lessons that I want to run through that I learned in studying Naomi's story. Um, the first one is, if we leave Bethlehem, we probably need to come back. Um, the, it's interesting, as I was reading this, it kind of reminded me of another story that's fairly well known. If you have your Bible and you want to turn with me, <clears throat> Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. This is a parable of Jesus, and he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property by reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoot it on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. A fairly well-known story in the Bible. We know it goes on and the other brother was mad that he came back. And there's all that kind of stuff. But what I found interesting is that you know, Naomi, in a lot of ways, like the son, she walked away from God. She walked away from kind of those ways, that life, those people. She, they had no fellowship um, with other Israelites. They, by all purposes, by all accounts, I guess, were doing it on their own power. You know, last week we talked a little bit about the cycle of the judges and how there's, you know, repent and then rebel and then cry out and then be rescued. And, you know, and it just, that circle just round and round. And that's where they were. They were in the middle of that. But it's interesting that when Naomi came back, she spoke about a God that was welcoming her. She spoke about a God who was faithful because she made it back. And she spoke about a God who was holy, who even though she recognized that she had sinned, he still was there even though she was empty. Um, sin is one of those things, when you start to like talk about sin, you start to go, oh boy, here we go. So, you know, hold on. But, you know, when we choose to abandon the ways of God, 
and to just do it on our own, we have sinned. We have decided to step away from God and say, you know what? I got this. I'm going to go to this far land. I'm going to do my thing. Um, And I think that that's a story that kind of rings true in a lot of people's lives. I had those things in my life. I may have some of those things in my life right now. I just haven't realized it. But, you know, there are things that when I decide, you know what? I got this, God. I can handle that. That is walking out of God's will for my life and into sin. Um, There are consequences for those actions, and we all know about those. Uh, Those are things that some people have to deal with for a long time, and they do. But God, who is faithful and just, will still come and will bless you. And that's how Naomi came back. I believe that Naomi came back repentant and submissive to what God wanted to do. She didn't blame God. Um, She just realized, you know what? I'm bitter because I made some bad decisions. And um, I tried to do it on my own. I thought we could make a a go of this. uh, And it just did not work out. So, you know, the first thing I think that Naomi is teaching us is that, you know, if I leave Bethlehem, if I leave the ways of God, God is calling me back because that's where the blessing is at. It's never going to be in that other place. The second thing that I feel like Naomi tells us is we're all going to have trials, right? Things are going to happen, and we have to deal with them. You can try and live a trial-free life. Uh, let me know how it goes for you. Uh, I we, I actually, we knew someone that we felt was really trying to do that at one point in their life. And we're like, man, they keep insulating, insulating, insulating to be completely trial-free, and that someday it's going to all fall apart. And I don't really want to be around when it happens because it might be messy. But, you know, we're all going to have trials. I think that there are three um, kind of trials in our life. One of those I classify as the you reap what you sow trial. You know, I made a decision at some point in my life to do blank. And because of that, this happened. My dealing with those consequences, that's my trial. I brought it on my own, um, and I just have to deal with it. Uh, The next set of trials is, um, I believe that God allows trials in order to correct correct a behavior or to help us grow in a certain area. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, beginning, let's say, verse uh, 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
So sometimes you're doing things in your life. Um, those of us who have children, sometimes our kids were doing things in their life and discipline happened because you needed them to course correct. And God does that to us. The other one, and this is one of my favorite and least favorite passages in Scripture, in uh, Romans chapter 5. A lot of Romans, wow, watch out when you get in there. But Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I have that part underlined, but that's where the underlining part ends because it, it goes a little downhill from here. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, so God will discipline us to correct us, and God will discipline us because he wants us to grow. And that's what suffering is for, and that's why this passage of Romans, it's like, man, I just want the endurance and the character. It's the suffering that leads to the endurance. It's like, man, if there's a way we could bypass that, God, I would be all over that. Sign me up for the class. I'm there. I have learned it does not work that way. Can I get an amen? Okay. Um, the, the third kind of, of um, trial that I like to talk about, you know, the reap what you sow, the course correction and help you grow, and then the third one really is so God can be glorified. There are times that I go through a trial, some of us go through a trial for no other reason than God wants to use that to make his name known, to show his power, to show his glory, to show his godness. Um, Job, probably an example of that. Lazarus dying and being raised from the dead, probably an example of that. So, so we know that God allows these trials to happen. We know that he will use them to help his people grow, to help them to change, and to help them to glorify him. Naomi went through trials. I don't know which of these kinds of trials Naomi went through. We know that her husband died, and we know that her sons died, and we know that her life was probably not great. But we don't know which of these trials it was, but we do know that it does not appear that she reacted well to them. And this is the lesson for us. There are two ways to react to trials, good and bad. I mean, it's, it's fairly black and white. You can't kind of react well to a trial. You're either going to react well or you're going to react poorly. Um, how do I deal with these things? You know, I don't want to stand up here and say, I have it, guys. Every trial I've ever experienced in my life, I did it so well. You're going to be amazed. But I can tell you, here's the things. Here, I think, is how we deal with trials. And it's not easy, but God will help you out. The first thing we have to do is we have to recognize it for what it is. If there's a trial coming, we need to look at it and go, this trial is God working. 
I don't know why, I don't know how, but this is God working. You know, everyone knows the verse, Romans 8, 28. For all things work to the good of those who love him and blah, blah, blah. I don't obviously know it, but that's blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, so if we recognize it, we can say, you know, God is working through this trial. The second thing is, you know, recognize that you're not alone. Uh, Naomi, in this, in this instance, in the book of Ruth, her biggest asset, honestly, at this point was Ruth. And Ruth was there to help her, and Ruth was there to say, you know what, you may not see it, but I see your God enough to know that I want to follow him, so let's follow that God together. And she was there. She, she was there. I mean, and this church here, you know, part of our mission statement is, you know, fighting forward together. When people walk into these walls, when people walk into this body, whatever they're going through, we all clump around, we gather around, we do what we can, we help them get through that. So it's so important. It's, you know, it's so much easier to deal with these trials if you're not dealing with it alone. So, so recognize that you are not alone. And above all, try, try, try to remember the attributes of God. You know, our God is a loving God. Our God is a faithful good God. Our God is a just God. Our God is a gracious God. You know, you can just open this book up and read about your God and what he's doing and what he is and what he means and so when these trials come, you know, it's really, really easy to like be, you know what, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab one of these communion things. I hope no one cares. You know, I look at this, this little communion wafer, and if I look at it like this, it takes up most of my life, right? And I can see that this thing is the biggest thing in my life and the only thing I can deal with. But if I hold it out here and I go, you know what, in the light of a big, gracious, loving God, I think I can deal with that. And if it goes over here, you know what, God has that. I just need to do what I need to do and not step on it and hurt myself or choke on it or whatever you need to do. So, you know, when we have these trials come up, and when, when Naomi had these trials come up, all she could focus on was, my life has been so miserable. And I'm so bitter. You should call me bitter. The funny thing is, is if you read the rest of the book, which we will, no one ever calls her that. They call her Naomi through the whole thing. So that to me says, God was like, I'm not going to call you bitter. I'm calling you Naomi because you are pleasant. So, so these are the trials. And so what Naomi was doing is she was questioning God's goodness. And that's what made her bitter. What I think we should do, what I try and do, is rather than question God's goodness, rest in God's goodness. And if you rest there, it just seems a little bit more manageable. Um, honestly, we have probably, everyone in this room has done both of them. Some of us may be doing both of them today. Sitting here, we may have both of these things going on in our life right now, and we're just dealing with it. So um, be encouraged. The third thing 
I want to share that I learned from, from Naomi. You know, <clears throat> if I leave Bethlehem, come back to Bethlehem. If you have trials, you got to deal with them. The third one is, we don't know God's plans. We don't know what God's doing in all this. I would like to say we do. It would be so much easier if there was like a map and a booklet or an app. That'd be awesome, an app. Hey, Mark, here's what I'm going to do in your life today, so be prepared when blank happens. If you find it, let me know. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but if you look at the very end of this passage that we were reading, these, these simple little three verses. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. You know, Jason, <clears throat> Jason talked about the, the feasts and the harvest a couple weeks ago, and, you know, this time of year was a time of renewal and a time of hope and a time of grace. And, you know, this story, what we're going to read as we go through Ruth is that God brought Ruth and Naomi to Bethlehem at the exact right time. This is the time she needed to come. This is the time Naomi had to go through what she went through. Ruth had to go through what she went through. They had to journey across the wilderness, around the Dead Sea, back to Bethlehem so that they could get back to Bethlehem during the barley harvest so that all this other stuff that God had laid out that no one had any idea God had it laid out. You know, he wasn't sending out notes or anything. No one had any idea what was going on. But they ended up back in Bethlehem exactly when God needed them there. And I think God's going to do that for each one of us. I know he's done it for me. I don't know how many times. I know he's done it for others in here. I don't know how many times. But we don't know what God's doing. But he's going to work it out so that we get where we need to be when we need to be there. Because you know what? God's on the throne. The rest of us have no say. So my question for you this morning And we're going to move into um, a celebration of communion. Where are you today in the Naomi story? Are you at a place where you're like, you know what? I wandered into Moab a while ago, and I've been kicking around, but I feel like God's calling me to come back. I feel like God wants me to come back there. Are you in the middle of some trials? And you're processing those trials and you're like, man, everything's just like coming down on me. And it's just like killing me. And I have so much going on. Um, are you at a place where you need to look around and go, man, who can I go to? Who can help me with this? Who can help me carry this burden? Um, who do I need to talk to? That kind of stuff. You know, are you questioning God's goodness? You know? Are you like Naomi and you're like, I can see bitterness in the distance and I'm just going to walk that way and you need to turn around? Or are you just in a place where you're resting in God? You have peace in your life about everything and everything is good and I am just resting. Um, I think that all of us and this... You know, I, I said last week, Naomi is probably not 
a, you know, a spiritual example. But the story of Naomi hit me so hard this week because she may not be an example, but, I mean, like someone to look up to, but she's an example of what's going on in my life. She's an example of what's going on in a lot of people's lives. And that's the place, that's the question where we are is, okay, Naomi, I'm in the middle of your story. Where do I need to go? So, so that's my question. Where are you in the Naomi story? And what do I need to do about it? We are going to celebrate um, communion today. So communion is a time when we can um, take a minute, reflect on our life, um, look at where we are, pray, that kind of stuff. And we can ask God, God, you know what? I'm dealing with this. I am bitter, bitter, bitter to the core, and I need help. Or I am questioning, or I'm overwhelmed. All these kinds of things. This is your chance. We're not going to rush into this. Um, we have time. It's not even noon yet. So we're killing it time-wise today. Um, so, so take a few minutes. Um, as, we, as we open the table, I'm going to pray. Pam is going to play on the piano. When you are ready, uh, come on up. Grab the elements. Once everyone has them, we will take them together. Uh, we, have, we have our, um, I like to call them communion kits today. So it has the bread and the juice on there. If you want gluten-free, they're in the smaller dish if you need the gluten-free. Um, we here at the Casper Lions Church, we celebrate what we like to call open communion. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just need to be a member of the body of God and have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And with that, I open the table and um, let's celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord who died for us.
In the book of 1 Corinthians we read, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Just as we celebrated Jesus' death and resurrection, Father, we thank you that that death and resurrection was for us. Father, and we thank you that when we are in the middle of life, when the storm wages, rages around us and, and everything seems lost, Lord, that you are there in the middle of it all. Father, I thank you for um, your word. I thank you for uh, the guidance that you give us. And most of all, Lord, I thank you that you come and speak to our hearts, and draw us close to you. Lord, I pray that you would go with us now, Father, as we um, go out of here, as we, uh, as we are called to proclaim your name and to proclaim your love, Lord, I pray that you would use us to be a light in this city this week. Father, I just thank you for you. I thank you for your son, and pray that you bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand, please, let's sing the doxology quick and then be on our way. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Go with God's blessings.